Matthew chapter 13, while I still recover from thanking God, come on somebody, it has been a good morning so far, God is going to continue to honor, watch this, as we honor. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Values, and these are our core values as a church. We prayed together, we searched together, we researched together, and we allowed God to show us what what our core values at this church would be, and number one, number one for our lives and certainly for us as a congregation, as a church, a body of believers, is to delight in Jesus. Man, I wish, I wish that I would have started at around 13 or 14 years old truly gaining an understanding of what it meant to delight in Jesus to understand that, that when I sat down and opened up his word and read the gospels, I was sitting with Jesus. To understand that when I read through the epistles, it was like me sitting across the table from the apostle Paul. That when I opened up the book of Revelation, it was like having one-on-one discipleship session with the apostle John, and that I could have a conversation with Jesus at all times. So we talked about the second week, how, how to delight in Jesus. Then the third week, we went over our second value, which is to foster family. I don't mean like like fostering children for a little while and, and then they go somewhere else and then somewhere else. What I mean is to create and develop an atmosphere that is conducive for the development of family. So we foster people along, come on, so that God can adopt them in and they become part of the Family. Last week, I told you our third value, which is to honor all. Delight in Jesus, foster family, honor all. Last week, we defined honor. What is honor? You can go back and watch all of these messages. If you missed any of them, they're 30 to 40 minutes apiece, and you can go and, and watch them on our YouTube channel or at unischurch.com. They're very easy to find. This week, I want to talk about what honor does. Last week we talked about what honor was. Come on, this week I want to talk about what honor does. Okay, so number one, if you're taking notes, we're going to start off on a little bit of a negative note this morning. Dishonor reveals disbelief. Dishonor is actually just a representation of disbelief. Matthew chapter 13, you were wondering if I was going to get to it. Here we are. Verse 57, the Bible says, so they were offended at him. Who is they? They are the people in Jesus' hometown. They're the people that Jesus grew up around. They're the people that Jesus cared about as much as he cared about anybody or any other culture and or city community in the world. And yet, the people that he cared about the most were offended at him the most. Hear me. You cannot be offended and anointed because when you're offended, there's a fence between you and your anointing. Come on. And when there's a fence between you and the anointing that God has for you, there's only one thing to do. Let it stay or tear it down. Jesus said to them and their offense at him, a prophet is not without, there's our word, honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Verse 58, 
This is a sad scripture. Now he did not do many miracles and or mighty works there. Now, let me just explain a couple of things. He did not. Doesn't mean that he didn't have the ability to, okay? It means that he, he did not, and he could not what he wanted to do, even though he had the ability to do, because mighty works in this essence is dunamis, which is another form of the word of dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite, which in the Greek originally meant power. It's the same word that you read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive dunamis, power from on high to be my witnesses. But because of their dishonor, they had no dunamis. Because of this, their dishonor, they had no power. And, and I used to read this like I, so quickly that I missed, I think, the main point of it. I would read it, so he did not do many works there. Like, he didn't do many of them. No, no, no. Read it this way. He did not do many works there. Like, there was a lot that church missed out on. There was a lot those people missed out on. There was a generation full of influence that the community that was there did not get to experience because of the offense of a few. And he did not do many. There were many mighty works. There was a whole lot of power that Jesus Christ wanted to reveal to those people, but he did not because of their unbelief. He spoke to their offense, and he had to deal with their dishonor. It was their dishonor that caused him to recognize their disbelief. They were offended. We must not underestimate the power of the spirit of honor. In fact, that's the title of the message this morning. The spirit of honor. And don't you think that's a little super spiritual of you? Call honor a spirit? No, I don't. Because God is spirit. And all things which were created in him and by him and for him are also spiritual things. And what we need to understand is for every command of God, this is not in your notes, you may or may not want to write this down. Every command of God, the enemy gives a counterfeit. <clears throat> every single command, like honor your father or mother, the enemy will send somebody in as a counterfeit to talk about your father or mother. Like do not eat of the fruit of that tree. And the enemy will come in and say, did God really say that? Isn't it interesting that the enemy appealed to her offense? No, no, no. God just told you not to do that because he knows that you're going to be like him when you do it. And you know you're not like him and you know you really want to be. So when he appealed to her offense, ultimately he convinced her to become dishonorable because she didn't really believe in the relationship that she had and the command that God had given. So when she didn't believe in the command and the enemy offered a counterfeit, she fell subject to the counterfeit. And it was all because, not just her disbelief, but ultimately her dishonor. Do you understand the power of a spirit of dishonor? Now here's what concerns me. I have seen more dishonor in the last two and a half years than I have ever seen in my entire life. And unfortunately, a lot of it was on so-called followers of Jesus' social media profiles. 
See, we used to be secretive about our dishonor, but now we advertise it as if it's anointed. Come on, but our opinion is pushing people away, not winning anybody in. If you got follower of Jesus on your profile, then your post ought to represent what your profile says you are. Come on, somebody. If I look at your profile and it says Christian, then I ought to be able to look at your post and see follower of Christ is what I should be able to see. The problem is we feel one way and we behave one way and we say that we believe in another way. See, honor is not a biblical recommendation. Honor is a biblical requirement. We said it last week. Everybody preached with me. Well, a couple hundred people preached with me for one service. About 400 of y'all missed it. You can go watch it online. It's, it's okay. Honor is a command. It's a command. In Romans chapter 12, outdo one another in showing honor. Paul was not saying, hey, when you feel like it. He was not saying, hey, when your authority is honorable. He was not saying when your boss likes you and treats you better than everybody else. <laughs> oh, it's going to get thick today. I hope y'all got some hip boots. Honor. See, honor is so incredibly important because honor can be a limitation for us or honor can be a launch pad for us. And whether honor is a limitation or a launch pad is completely up to us. So here's the question that I asked myself. And I would like to invite you to try to digest with me because I ain't choking alone. You ready? Am I lifting people up? Or am I limiting them with dishonor? Um, when I walk into a restaurant and my waiter or waitress is having a bad day, do I limit them by adding to the dishonor? Man, I don't know if they, I don't know what they're doing in the back. Back there, they've been gone back there. they playing cards or talking. To, I don't know what's going They better get back out here, fill my drink. See, we have a very American perspective of biblical requirements. See, when we walk into a restaurant and the waiter or the waitress is having a bad day, we should honor them in such a way that it adds value to their life that ultimately God can give us an opportunity to impact their eternity. Within 30 minutes, we can change their kingdom trajectory. Am I lifting people up in honor on Instagram and Facebook? Or am I limiting them? with dishonor. See, we live in a culture that attempts to popularize dishonor. I used to flip through the channels and then I was scrolling through some links and I, I saw this thing called the roast. You ever seen that? Big letters, roast. They get up there and they make fun of one another. I had to turn, I had to turn one of them off. That's the most despicable thing I'd ever tried. To, I mean, it, there was a couple of things I was like, that's funny. But then I was like, whoa, hey, Jesus died for that one. Probably not need to keep watching that. It's popular. It's popular in our society to push back, right? It's, we, we actually unintentionally promote pushing back against authority and questioning authority. See, I remember a day when it wasn't my teacher's fault that I was acting like an idiot at school. I remember a day when it wasn't my coach's fault. He set my bad attitude on the bench for that game. Come on, help me. <laughs> the coach's wife feeling it this morning. I remember a day. I remember a day when it wasn't the youth pastor's fault 
that you barely got your kid to a service for one hour a couple of times a month and expected them to live for Jesus when you weren't living for Jesus. I just remember a day when honor begot honor and dishonor begot dishonor. See, I grew up in a house where I was told to show honor and therefore taught to show honor whether I wanted to or not. In fact, I remember uh, I had a Harper Elementary School in Minden, Louisiana, right before you turn on the country club circle, go down to Whispering Pines Drive. That's where I lived. And then that's where I grew up. And I went and, and I remember being in elementary school and, uh, and now my brother's engaged to my third grade teacher's daughter. That's funny. Anyway, so true story. And her son called me and wants me to be, like mentor him and love on him. And I'm like, have you ever talked to your mama about who I was in third grade? She, that's Jesus, y'all. Come on. So I just remember, I remember, I wasn't the best kid. I know that's going to surprise some of you. Um, yeah, um, but I remember when Mr. Wyndham, now Mr. Wyndham looked like he belonged to the Menden Mafia. Okay, he, he came, he had like these sh this sharp look. And I, he's like, he looked like one of the most intimidating, largest men I'd ever seen in my life. But I was a little guy, so he probably was not much bigger than me. And he always had his hair slicked straight back. I, I had so much respect for Mr. Wyndham that it didn't matter what was going on. If, if my man came down the hallway, I was an angel, y'all. If he walked out of that office, if he came out to the playground in recess, y'all, if I was sitting on the curb, I remember one time Mr. Wyndham came outside and I was sitting on the curb. And when you were sitting on the curb, that meant the teacher had put you on the curb because you had done something uh, to appeal to the curb. Okay, So, so I, I was sitting on the curb and I saw Mr. Wyndham come and I was like, oh man, and he saw me. And he knew why I was on that curb. And he was like, what you doing on that curb? And I was like, this is a decision, right? Do I lie? Do I fess up? So I lied. Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, Mr. Wyndham, we were just playing. I kind of hurt my ankle. Just tying, I was tying my sandals, you know. Us. <laughs> oh, it was a day when, you know, you got popped and nobody sued. So anyways... <laughs> I just remember having honor. I remember a day when if you grit your teeth at your mama or your daddy when they told you to do something, you were likely to lose one of them. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Now, look, I'm not advocating abuse this morning. It's not what I'm advocating at all. I don't, I don't recommend smacking kids in the face. I just remember a day when I wasn't only told what to do, I was told how I was about to do it. Now, look, now that's easy to preach about. It's just harder to practice. Because God feels the same way about you. <laughs> God feels the same way about you when you discuss behind somebody's back what you don't like about what they're doing. Let me give you a test for honor. Give you a test for honor. When an authority figure tells you to do something that you don't want to do, how do you respond? Like, you know, if they told you to like wear a mask or something. When an authority figure, see, hang on, listen, listen. It doesn't mean that you automatically have to comply. It doesn't mean that you automatically have to obey. But it does mean that you have to maintain honor. Because if you're not careful, the spirit of dishonor on somebody else will look like 
it is now being accepted and approved by you. Because when you respond to dishonor with more dishonor, you look like to the next generation and the current society that you are approving of what are you are actually against. And we are teaching our children and our children's children that if they don't like something or they don't like someone, all they have to do is go tell everybody and we can get rid of them. Unfortunately, that's an American perspective, not a biblical perspective. My college baseball coach, he called me a dugout lawyer. He said, boy, you are going to be a politician or a preacher, and I'm not sure which one yet. <laughs> He's called me a dugout lawyer, which meant that when I didn't like something that we were doing at practice and or a decision that he made, I would go in the dugout and start telling everybody what I didn't like because there was a spirit of dishonor on me, and when a spirit has a hold of your heart, you can't keep your mouth shut because your mouth is an amplification of what the enemy has a hold of. Coach Rocky Musgrave heard what I was saying. You ever thought somebody didn't hear what you were saying all of a sudden they heard? We're going to get back to that. Okay, but he heard what I was saying. He said, boy, get your bag and get in your truck and go home. I, I, yo, I thought I was done. I was like, coach, what, I tried to play dumb. Like, what you talking about? They said, I didn't ask you a question. Get your bag, get in your truck, and go to your apartment, and don't come back here until you come meet with me in my office. And when we met, it was not the nicest meeting I'd ever had. He didn't lay hands and pray on me, you know, try to love on me and minister me out. No, no, no. He told me, this can't stay. Because dishonor is intolerable. And a spirit of dishonor can attach itself to your atmosphere and ultimately attach itself to you. If we're not careful, we can do the right thing with the wrong attitude and still be dishonorable. Grit my teeth, mumble under my breath, talk about people behind their back, roll my eyes when they're not looking. That is a heart issue. It is a spirit. You remember, maybe you never had this said to you, but I remember a time when somebody told me to do something, and then it was followed up not too long after that with a warning, and you better fix your face. You better turn that frown <laughs> upside down or I'm going to turn your backside into the expression of your face. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to fix it for you if you don't fix it yourself. Because there was a day and an age when dishonor wasn't promoted and or exemplified which would be ultimately acceptable, but dishonor was intolerable. Well, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. That's fine. They're going to give you a piece of a pink slip. And then God's going to put you under somebody just like them until you learn what you were supposed to learn in the last place. 
And then if you never learn what you were supposed to learn in the last place, you'll keep suffering from what you were supposed to learn in the next place. And if you don't end up handling it, you're going to hand it down to your children and your children are going to end up worse than you were because you showed them that a spirit of dishonorable was acceptable because of what you exemplified. It's a spirit that we're passing around and we're handing down. I'm telling you, don't put it in your post if it's not represented in your profile. Jesus' hometown, the hometown, the people that he cared about as much as he cared about anybody, they had a spirit of dishonor. And the Bible says that the destiny of Jesus Christ was shut down in that moment because of a dishonor and the spirit thereof. So here's what we need to understand. We can be in the atmosphere of the anointing of God and shut down his desire for us and the people around us. For us, could you imagine the disciples that could have come out of that community? Can you imagine the... The body of believers, the church, the gathering, the ecclesia that could have been built out of Jesus' hometown. The Son of God, the light of the world standing right in front of him. But they'd rather have the counterfeit than operate under his command. You can be under the greatest leader and the greatest company, Jesus and the disciples, and have a spirit of dishonor attached to you and miss out on what God has for you and the people around you. Because dishonor reveals disbelief. They were without honor, and Jesus did not do many mighty works. He did not reveal his power because of their unbelief. Number two, honor opens the door for anointing. Come on, I want my house to be a house of honor. I want this house to be a house of honor because I want it to be a house of worship. I want it to be a house of prayer. I want it to be a house of miracles. I want it to be a house of healing. I want it to be a house of stability. When the world is falling apart and everybody's losing their mind, I want it to be a house of a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And honor, honor opens the door for that anointing. My attitude matters. Hang on, I'm sorry. Your attitude matters. Just wanted to make sure you knew I wasn't preaching at you today. My attitude matters. My attitude could be the thermostat for the entire atmosphere. Some of y'all walking around like so-called spirit-filled thermometers. Your mercury's too low. All you do is walk around and Decide the temperature of the atmosphere that you just walked into because of the honor that is or is not in your heart. Instead of walking into the atmosphere, y'all not helping me today. Instead of walking into the atmosphere with the Spirit of God inside of you and becoming like a thermostat, 
that begins to set the temperature of that room, that begins to set the temperature of that vehicle, that begins to set the temperature of that classroom. I'm not leaving you out, young people. That begins to set the temperature of that hallway, that begins to set the temperature of that office. See, you walking around trying to decide whether you want to be in the atmosphere, and you don't understand that with your honor, the Holy Spirit can fill you with power that could change the entire atmosphere. My attitude, my attitude, it's not just my, my actions, my actions are, are essential, come on, but my attitude is important. Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, these are the words of Jesus. I believe this is a promise of God. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a prophet, oh, uh, hang on. He who receives a principal, he who receives a superintendent, my bad, y'all, I know I'm stepping in some thick stuff today. He who receives a coach, he who receives a pastor, he who receives a teacher, he who receives a boss, he who receives a superior, he who receives prophet, a person that God allowed to have a position in the name of a person that God allowed to have a position actually receives the reward of the person that God allowed to have the position. But when you can't be trusted in a little, how can you be trusted with more? When you can't honor the authority that you're under, how could God ever trust you to have other people under your authority? But when you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. Because the spirit of honor starts at the top. Let me tell you where I messed up. <laughs> okay, let me tell you one of the places that I've messed up recently. Um, my child was doing a, a, a project and, and she was doing most of the work and, and I was trying to help out and, and she was really interested in, in all that we were doing. And then, and I had this, I found this politician and we were gonna explain and research the politician and, and she was looking. And then I found this really goofy picture of the politician. And I thought it was funny. And, and so I like, I printed it. We, like, we were gonna put it in the project, which was, okay, immediately, like I printed. I don't know how it took me so long, but when I printed the picture of the politician, I heard the Holy Spirit say, what you think amusing, she's going to think is acceptable. What you allow, she's going to think you approve. That's not funny. It's dishonorable. And I, but the problem is I'd already shown it to her. Like we were already going to put it in. And I was like, I, uh, hey, baby, I don't, I don't think we should put, why daddy is funny? no. No, I'm sorry. It's actually not funny. It's actually not funny. I, I messed up. I, I made a mistake. We're, we're being dishonorable towards this person that God allowed to be in this position. Um, and so it's not funny. It's actually dangerous. See, what you think is innocent is actually the way that the enemy introduces evil. Because the enemy knows that if he can make it entertaining, he can make it acceptable. Kind of like what we ride around with our windows rolled down listening to. And we call it entertainment. Kind of like when we will stream through our televisions and pay for, pay for 
premarital and extramarital promiscuity to come through our television and wonder why our children aren't staying pure. We will listen to things that put Jesus on the cross and wonder why this generation is not living for Jesus. Because we will be entertained. If the enemy wants to introduce something to a society, he learned a long time ago. All he had to do was make it entertaining and or amusing. Kind of like there was a day and an age when it was not funny and or amusing for a man to walk around acting like a woman. There was a day and an age when everybody understood that if a man acted like a woman, that it was an insult to what God said and who God is because he created us male and female with certain characteristics and certain qualities, and it didn't make us unequal because we were different. It actually made us more dynamic. But then, sitcoms. And we had this show called Will and Grace. And there was this little guy who was an effeminate little guy. But he was funny. And it was innocent. And now we're fighting a political agenda across our nation that is an abomination to the word of God because we entertained it and paid for it to stream through our televisions. It is not amusing for the enemy to emasculate men and sexualize women. Come on, I've addressed both sides. It is an offense to God himself, but every time that God gives a command, come on, the enemy has figured this out. He gives a counterfeit. Did God really say that? Does God really expect that? Does God really call me to that? Am I actually supposed to abide by that? Yes, because dishonor reveals disbelief, but honor opens the door for the anointing in the current society. And when people come to this church, I want there to be a culture of honor that is so strong that they are drawn in and by the Spirit of God himself. And it doesn't matter what other spirit they might have walked in here with because there's only one that they're walking out with. But if we allow those spirits, specifically the spirit of dishonor, to attach itself to us every other day of the week, and call it entertainment in the name of amusement, then we will not see God do many mighty works because dishonor is always directed to God. We cannot honor the authorities in our lives because we actually don't honor God's authority in our lives. Romans chapter 13, verse seven. I'm gonna tell you, this is a little bit of a blend of King James, New King James, and then Berean literal translation. It says, render to all their due. And then Paul has the audacity to say, render to all their due, taxes to whom taxes. Hey, 
It is not your responsibility to determine what somebody else does with God's money when he's already told you what to do with it. In the house of God or the White House, you are not responsible for how they behave. We are responsible for how we behave according to what we say we believe. Now, Paul could have just left that taxes thing out. The problem is Jesus had already said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's. Because the Son of God understood that how you treated people was actually a representation of how you felt about God. So he says, render to all, all their due. And then he ends that specific verse with honor to whom honor. Verse 1 of that same chapter Paul had written, there is no authority. No authority. There's no coach. It's getting messy today. There's no teacher. There's no supervisor. There's no overseer. There's no political position. There's no government official. There's no judge. There's no chief. There's no superintendent. <laughs> Y'all so quiet. There's no authority, says Paul, except from God. And, man, he could have quit right there. That's right. God is in authority. And all those devil-ridden politicians, so-called rulers in positions they don't deserve, they're going to answer to my God, and I'm not going to adhere to their... No, no, no. Hang on. And those... He should have left this part out, and our Facebook would have been fine. <laughs> and those which exist are established by God. You, you do realize that Paul was writing to the church in Rome. Rome. Like the place where if you were only attracted to the opposite sex, it was because you had not been exposed to anything else. And so they would expose you so that you could have the experience and therefore be enlightened. By the way, it was approved forceful exposure. You just translate that however you want to. Roman Greco society. This was the culture that would build the stadium in which people would be dragged in and fight to death. They would be placed in the center and have to go up against wild animals as the crowd would shout, loose the lions. This was the Colosseum. Paul is writing to the place where Christians were tied to stakes and burned to death in the name of entertainment. See, the devil has been using entertainment to introduce evil for multiple generations. He's just become more subtle about it. And therefore, we have begun to believe that it was innocent. 
The people around you may not be worthy. Listen, they may not be honorable. They may not be moral. They may not be kind. But honor is not a reflection of other people's character. Honor is a reflection of my character. I cannot control how they act. But God has given me a spirit that is supposed to be in control of how I react. And my response is up to me. And I'm just convincing myself today that I'm not going to go to a place where I let a spirit of dishonor attach itself to me and my house. I'm not going to let a spirit of dishonor attach itself to me and my spouse. I'm not going to let a spirit of dishonor, I got to keep going today. Just because somebody else is dishonorable does not give me the biblical right to allow that same spirit to begin to come out of my mouth and plant itself into my heart. Numbers chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. You can go read the story later. Moses is there with his brother and sister. What a culture Jochebed, their mother, must have created. Think about the mother of Moses, the prophet of God, Aaron, the Levitical line and the priest of God, and Miriam, one of the first worship pastors, writing songs under the unction of the Holy Spirit, off the cuff, and everybody would start singing them. What an atmosphere of honor that mama must have created. That the Bible would say that Moses was elevated above all others. But then Moses made a mistake, according to his brother and sister. Moses decided he was going to marry a woman with a different skin tone. Yeah. Moses decided he was going to marry a woman with a different accent. She didn't talk like them. She didn't look like them. She didn't dress like them. She was of a different race. Moses decided that it, interracial relationship was okay, even though she was of a different upbringing and a different origin. And the Bible says that Aaron and Miriam were racist because they began to murmur about their spiritual authority and what the spiritual authority was exemplifying and allowing and operating in. And then the Bible says in verse 2 of Numbers chapter 12 that the Lord heard their murmuring. That means that when you're complaining about your spouse to your friend... The Lord, he heard you. <laughs> he didn't like sneak into the room. He was standing right there the whole time. But a spirit of dishonor has begun to be practiced by you. You ever been around somebody just couldn't shut up? Some of y'all feel that way right now. I'm almost done. <laughs> you ever been around somebody you like, man, they just bring the whole room down. 
They walk in, they start talking about everything, complaining about everybody, start naming names. You used to like people. Like you ain't even know that they were doing that. And you didn't need to know and you didn't ask. They just start telling you what I can, this person, you wouldn't believe. You, you're right, I wouldn't have. If you wouldn't have told me, I was all right. Listen, I don't need any help not liking people. I'm telling you right now, I am really good at it all on my own. Okay? Told y'all several times. If people leave me alone, it's really easy to love Jesus. It's, they just can't, they can't help it. They just keep talking, keep talking. Maybe it's been you. you here's, if it's been you, this is how you'll know. Now, I know I shouldn't say this. Yeah, you're right. The Holy Spirit's trying to help you. He just confessed out of your mouth that you should have stayed silent instead of submitting to a spirit of dishonor. But now you've given birth to this sin and you can't shut it up. Why? Because you're now on, and you can hear yourself. You're like, I know I shouldn't be saying it, but you just keep, you just are regurgitating at the mouth involuntarily, and you can't do anything about it. Why? Because a spirit has a hold of your heart, and he's coming out of your mouth. And the Bible says, the Lord heard you talking about your boss. The Lord heard you talking about your husband to your stupid single friend. They're not married for a reason. Stop talking to them, dummy. Go talk about your wife with your broken marriage buddies. How dumb is that? Gonna go complain to your mama about your husband. She's gonna give you a one-sided perspective and hate him a lot longer than you are. Stop doing that. That's my wife said. The Lord heard you talking about your child's teacher in front of your child. Your child's coach in front of your child. You'd help your child if you'd tell them to cheer for their team, whether they get to be on the field or have to sit on the bench. Because you honing their character is a lot more important than them getting to receive glory for God-given talent. I'm trying to help somebody today. The Lord heard their murmuring and their complaining. And watch this. The Bible says that he gave them an invitation. See, when we submit to the spirit of dishonor, we surrender our passion for God. Because dishonor represents disbelief. And God knows that honor opens the door for anointing, but dishonor shuts down what God wanted to do. When we get stuck in a spirit of dishonor, we stop listening. When we get stuck in a spirit of dishonor, we stop learning, we stop growing, and we justify our dishonorable attitude on someone else's actions. We hurt ourselves. When something happens in the church and we go run it down all over the place at the office, on the job site, in Baton Rouge, in the Oval Office. And we end up frustrated. Have you ever felt better after you finished complaining and condemning everything and everybody around you? No, 
you end up more angry. Why? Because you're empty. Because you just chose the counterfeit over the command. And you have no honor because you just gave it all away. Listen, other people should not reserve access to the honor that God has given you. They only get it if you give it to them. And they don't have to be there to have it. We become like a vehicle piled up in a junkyard. No gas, no passengers, no purpose. And we wonder why God can't use us. The Bible says the Lord heard it. And God responded, tell them to meet me at the door. Numbers chapter 12, verse 4, the Lord at once. Like there was no hesitation. There's no margin for error. The Bible says the Lord at once said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, get your backside in this room. Meet me at the door. Kind of like when a daddy hears the three kids fussing at each other in the back of the house. Kids didn't realize daddy was there. Like, I told y'all to stop. Get in here. They all come in. Scared they finna lose a tooth. <laughs> Moses. Aaron, Miriam, all three of you, get in here. <laughs> it's all too familiar. So the three of them went out, and the Bible says that God met them at the door. Watch this, set this up with me. God met them at the door, and here's what he said. You can't bring that in here. Because what I have in here is not available to what you're doing out there. He met them at the door because he understood what we need to understand. That what we allow is what we approve. And if they will not listen to an audible voice that they can physically hear, then how will they ever listen to a still, small voice from the Father above that they can only hear with their spiritual ears? Honor is not an option, says the Lord. You have a choice today. Honor or dishonor. The Bible says that Noah and his family got off the boat in the book of Genesis. And Noah decided to do something dishonorable. Something that he thought he had earned for surviving in God's grace. He thought, well, I'm on vacation now, so it'll be okay. And the Bible says that Noah, the man of God, the example of all mankind for his family got drunk. And his sons, Shem and Japheth, they found him. And the Bible says that they covered him up. They didn't expose him. They didn't go talk about him to everybody. They didn't join in in the celebration of God's man coming to a fall and the leader taking a tumble. They didn't engage in the already dishonorable actions. The Bible says they covered him. 
But Ham, Ham came in and mocked him. Ham came in and he joined into the dishonor of Noah. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 25, many preachers, I've heard sermons on this, have said that Ham was cursed. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God cursed Canaan. In Psalm 105, we read from the words of the psalmist that Jacob was a sojourner in a foreign land. In the land of Ham, they were slaves. So it is assumed by some scholars that the Egyptians were actually the cursed descendants of the son and the dishonor of Ham and the Canaans. What does that mean? It means that my dishonor has the ability to disgrace my people and anybody under my influence. A spirit of honor will either elevate my influence or it will decimate my legacy. He could not. He did not. Because of dishonor. Number three, I believe this is a must for us. We must declare a spirit of honor. We have to decide God's command over any counterfeit. We have to decide no matter who the authority is and or what they say that we will not give away our honor that Jesus so graciously sacrificed for. Our boss, our leader, parents, guardians, supervisor, overseer. If we cannot honor the person, we must convince ourselves and teach ourselves to honor the position. We don't have to honor the individual, but we must honor the office. The Bible says when Moses and Aaron and Miriam came to the door of the tent of meeting, that God struck her with leprosy. I think God was saying, oh, you got a problem with dark-skinned people? I'll make you white as a ghost. You can't love one another? I'll allow a virus to pull you together. You want to be divisive and allow the enemy to have his way in my house? I'll show you what it looks like when I hand you over. Just a glimpse of what's to come if you're not careful. You got an issue with somebody else's skin? I'm about to give you an issue with your skin. You're being spiritually insensitive to somebody that's not like you? I'll give you leprosy, which causes every nerve in your skin to become insensitive. And Miriam repented and begged God for forgiveness before it was too late.
she rebuked the spirit of dishonor and she declared that spirit of honor that God so desperately wanted for her to walk in. And I believe that we're in a place this morning where we need to say, God, forgive us of our leprosy. God, forgive us of our insensitivity. God, forgive us for our dishonor, which ultimately reflects our unbelief. Jesus, I need you. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and I'm going to pray. Let love be genuine, says Paul, to the church in Rome. Under the rule of Nero, who burned the city as he played his violin. Under the rule of Diocletian, which dispersed the early church all across that civilization. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. You don't have to obey evil. But hold fast to what is good. Don't give away what God gave you. Verse 10, love one another. And the New Living Translation says, with genuine affection. But I held on to this one because I love this last part. And it is a core value at this church. And I'm telling you, if you don't operate by this core value, you're going to get offended. And if you try to bring that offense into this house, I will meet you at the door. And if I try to bring that offense into this house, I pray to God that somebody meets me at the door. Because I don't want to have an issue in my spirit and call it something that's only skin deep. Outdo one another in showing honor at your office, at your school, on your job, in your classroom, and for the love of God, outdo one another in showing honor in your house, in your vehicle, and in your heart so that the Spirit of God can reveal Himself. Come on. And He can do many mighty works in and through you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I want you to think of the person that you've been dishonorable about to. I want you to think of the situation where you gave away your honor and you justified it because of somebody else's actions. And I want you right now to confess that as Miriam confessed and ask for forgiveness right now as Miriam asked for forgiveness. And ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. Declare right now over your heart and your house a spirit of honor. Lord, I declare in the name of Jesus that the spirit of honor would hit this place. The spirit of honor would rest upon the people in this place and those listening in any other room at any other time. May we love one another and outdo one another in showing honor. As the church is praying, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart this morning, I want to ask you, 
Are you a follower of Jesus? I don't mean in your profile. I don't mean in what you say. I mean, are you following him in your life? Have you surrendered your life fully to him? Have you given your life to him and, and never taken it back again? Today, if you need to, before you do anything else, the greatest honor that you could give God Almighty is to accept the sacrifice of his son. Confess Jesus as Lord and be adopted in as his child to be saved, set free, and born again. If that's you, I wanna invite you with nobody looking around to simply open your hands in your lap right where you are. If you're listening online, I wanna invite you to position yourself in a posture of surrender. Church, and I, I, I'm asking you to pray loud so that anybody that needs to say this prayer, this is an eternal confession right now. They would have the confidence to know that they're not alone, that this is a place that they belong. This is a family that they get to be a part of. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short, where I've been dishonorable, disobedient, any area of my life that doesn't represent you. I believe you died on the cross. You shed your blood. You paid for my sin, but you were raised from the dead so I could be born again, forgiven, set free, so I could be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You did what I couldn't do, so I surrender right now with all of my heart. May I follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?